What's good, everybody? Hope everybody's well. Oh, man. Trying to get it in today. Welcome back to the Onyx Report, where black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. Hope everybody is good. Shout out to uh, the early early birds. I'm listening. What's up? Roguish the Billmonger. What's going on? Lewis, what's up? Uh, Electrician 480. Artisan, what's going on, man? Got Jay Cleveland in the house. Appreciate that, man. Layman's Journal, what's good? Got some stuff coming up with Layman's Journal I'm excited about. But in the meantime, make sure you check out his channel if you haven't already. Shout out to Aquatechi. What's up? And a number of folks came through early. Good. Indigo Flow. What's going on? Hey, Rue. What's up? Got AL in the house. Man, everybody up in here. Art. What's going on, man? Man. All right. AB. What's going on? Ray in the house. Appreciate that support. Hey, Rue. Thank you very much. You know, ghetto user, what's going on? <laughs> Sergeant Willie Pete, what's up, man? Smash the patriarchy. <laughs> Dead set, what's going on? Yeah. A number of people up in here already. That's what it is. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel if you will. We can continue to bring you this independent blackmail thought and keep building it up. And um, today, I am joined by, a, you know, a permanent, uh, uh, you know, a friend of the show, if you will, who will always have an open door here. Um, shout out my boy, BGS. Bring him up in here. What's going on, man? What up, Doc? They call me the PhD whisperer. Oh, hold on. <laughs> can and you hear me? Let me fix this. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I now you. Yeah, they call me the PhD whisperer. That's what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> it fits. Uh, yeah, my mixer's acting funny. So, all right. So we got you okay. in. But you were just you, man. You were doing a fabulous show, man. I almost didn't go. I was, oh, I was okay. listening to y'all. Yeah, I was uh, waiting on you, so I said, okay, I know whether you're gonna go or not. So well, I was I, just trying to stick fit one in. I was trying to, but then every time I started to hit the, the live button, I was like, damn, they went on to another good topic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about finance. Might have to, you know, uh, do it tomorrow because they got really deep about uh, taxes, finance, housing, and, and income and all that kind of stuff. They had like four guys that are experts in the field. So yeah, I might have to uh, call them back and actually do it again. Okay. Well, you, if, if, I just want uh, people to know to check out the show if you haven't. Uh, I wonder if you could give them just a snippet of, in terms of the purpose, like why you did what you, what the show was and why you decided to do it. Okay. The thing is, is that uh, there's a lot of uh, what I call uh, mythology about this space, about this, this thing we call the, the, the uh, uh, man, black manosphere, right? Especially mm -hmm. the, the 2.0 phase, right? That it's not doing anything. It's not worth anything. We talk too much about women. Nothing's going on. It's a waste of time, right? I was trying to say that this 2.0, this black manager has exceeded all expectations. You know, okay. I don't think anybody could have dreamed of, I could never have dreamed of this being this successful as far as, uh, as far as uh, uh, attention, as far as uh, notoriety, as far as the effectiveness in certain spaces, couldn't have dreamed of it. 
So I was just trying to debunk that myth that it's a failure. No, it's not a failure. It's actually a wild success, you know. Okay. okay. And then, and then, you know, the AMA always gets interesting, especially when we actually talk about what black men earn versus what black women think they, that that we earn, and mm-hmm. plus the the way black men and women spend their money. Okay. Okay. So it got really interesting, like the last forty five minutes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so if you really want to get a, a good uh, uh, a peek into uh, see some actually some finance geek actually geek out about uh, taxes and money and, mm-hmm. and costs and the kind of stuff like the last 45 minutes is gold over in that channel All right. yeah check it out if you haven't uh, shout out to Barry Little for the support appreciate that um, shout out to Christopher Williams for the support appreciate that um, also uh, let me we also and, shout out Shannon F. Holiday and Mr. Fix It for the cash apps. Appreciate yeah. that. And we got we got a lot of content creators in tonight. Y'all, please, if you have a channel, please share the video. Dr. Thunder, you included. Please share the video. We have to start sharing each other's videos because I do a lot. The thing is, is you get more uh, 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 notoriety on the algorithm if we all share it. Okay, please share the video. Okay. Appreciate that. Shout out to Dr. Thunder. What's up? Dr. Thunder, what's up? Yeah. Uh, tonight we are, I mean, this is, how do I put it? Uh, we on automatic in terms of, you know, the, uh, the, the rifling, uh, the weaponry we use in the night, we just going all out. And what we're going to do is cover and debunk a number of different myths about black men. And I wanted to get BGS up, uh, up in here with me to do it because, uh, it's a lot more fun for one, uh, to bounce <laughs> off your brother when we're talking about it, but there's a lot of info to cover. Um, so I wanted to kind of get that in. So let me start with, now this is an old, this came out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but I still think it's not necessarily common knowledge. I said, you know what, let me go ahead and talk about it. And when I thought about it, I said, you know, there's a number of things that we need to go ahead and talk about. So if you're not familiar. This is a piece on Yahoo uh, news, a uh, new study on drug use confirms what black people have been saying this whole time. Now this is dated 2016. Right. This is 2016, but I thought it useful to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. Okay, I gotta do it this way. All right, I thought it useful to cover, so we can get through some things. So this is just gonna be where we start, but we're gonna look at a number of different pieces of information that are focused on debunking stereotypes about black men. All right. So let me get some of this out of the way. Shout out to Real Talk Rodney Dunn. Appreciate the support. All right. So the first one up. All right. So we can read through a little bit of this recent study published in the American Journal of Public Health found that delinquent non-Hispanic whites are more likely to abuse hard drugs such as cocaine and or opiates uh, more so than their black counterparts, which might be news for some Americans. But for many blacks across the nation, the study confirms what was already known. Now, um, I actually did pull up the study, so I'll show you guys that in a minute as well. But for now, we could just go through the article. The study, which took place over 12 years, found that the rates of hard drug abuse was highest among non-Hispanic whites, followed by Hispanics, then African-Americans. Research found that whites were more than 30 times likely, uh, more likely to have cocaine use disorder, 50 times more likely to develop opiate use disorder, and 18 times more likely to have PCP use disorder than blacks. Now, I don't think that's common knowledge. I don't think people people are aware of that, and the no. article is going to delve into some of that. But just right off, what are your what, what's your re- immediate reaction to that? 
I mean, it's something I've known since I was in, uh, first went to my first white school back in, I think, 1968, 69, right? It's always been the case. But things we always get, uh, we're always the face of, of drugs and hard drugs. Mm-hmm. But uh, white kids, you know, white kids are using way more drugs, you know, from children always up, always, all the way up to adults. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the thing is, they don't often admit it. It's actually no. a, a very a closely held secret. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I think the art article is going to delve into a little bit of that, mm-hmm. uh, but, but not necessarily from the vantage point of somebody who has, you know, was, was an adult, especially during the uh, war on drugs era. I was a kid. Right. right. So I saw elements of it. Hell, I was in the middle of elements of it. But as a kid, it was just my reality. Yeah. And, you know, seeing it as an adult is a whole different thing. Um, but let's continue here. It says those findings are striking considering the widely accepted stereotype of African-Americans as the most prevalent abusers of hard drugs. Right. Linda A. Teplin, professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Northwestern University and author of the study, said in a statement, our findings add to the growing debate on how the war on drugs has affected African-Americans. Right. Researchers studied more than 1,800 delinquent youth uh, and followed their lives through their late 20s. We found that African-Americans are less likely than other Racial mm-hmm. ethnic groups to abuse hard drugs, yet mm-hmm. African Americans are disproportionately incarcerated for drug crimes. Right. Right. We are so, the most police. We're, we're actually the most policed. Indeed. Okay. Yes. Indeed. Right. Says, however, some people pointed out that the study's findings were already somewhat acknowledged, especially among Black people. Jonathan Wall, a law student at Harvard University, started a thread full of studies that can easily be confirmed by Black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of lists some of the information from the thread. Mm-hmm. Uh, see some of that there. Yeah, and in the black neighborhood, we get jailed. They get drug clinics. Absolutely, mm-hmm. they get swatted on the hand at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and I will share the actual study. I want mm-hmm. people to, you know, not only see the article but actually see the study itself. So here we go. Right, American Public Health Association: Health Disparities in Drug and Alcohol Use Disorders: A Twelve-Year Longitudinal Studies of Youths After Detention. Right. So this mm-hmm. is pretty extensive. And this is the portion here I wanted to read aloud in the conclusion section. Right. It says the Department of Justice estimates that among males born in 2001, one in three African-Americans and one in six Hispanics uh, will be incarcerated at some point during their lifetime compared with one in 17 non-Hispanic whites. Racial ethnic minorities are disproportionately incarcerated, especially for drug crimes. More than 2.4 million youths and adults are currently incarcerated in the U.S. Every year, there are nearly 1.4 million arrests of juveniles. More than 250,000 cases result in detention. Substance abuse is significant is a significant problem among youth in the, just, the juvenile justice system. More than 90% report having used illicit drugs. Irrespective of sex or race and ethnicity, substance use disorders, SUDs, are the most common psychiatric uh, disorders. Among delinquent youths, 49% to 76% of males and 34 to 77% of females have an SUD. Mm. Right? Mm. Wow. Women a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah. Um, find the quickest way to sift through some of this because I want to get uh, right to where to go. Mm. Oh, man misplaced it dang it that is not what i wanted to do today all right here we go all right 
see if I could find more. I think I misplaced the damn thing. Hmm. All right, my bad. So this is the actual study itself, though, but I will put, matter of fact, I don't know if it'll pull up if you guys link it, but I'll put it in the chat for anyone that might find it of use to sift through yourselves. And this is basically what the article we just read was based on. Mm. So you see the breakdown of those kind of things. So I just wanted to kind of point that out as a starting point for tonight, right? Like I say, this is a, this is a, what is this, seven years old? And I've heard people kind of mention it, but I haven't seen them actually kind of, you know, put out the actual uh, link. So I just yeah. wanted to kind of put that out. And matter of fact, I will also put the link for the article. This kind of stuff tends to disappear. So it it does. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get used to my Evernote and start using it, that more effectively. But Evernote is your friend. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. All right. So we'll stop those and then go ahead. And there we go. So let me put some of this stuff up. All right. So this is uh, the next one. And I'm just going to go at these one at a time. They're they're in no clear order. We're just shooting straight at stereotypes, right? So this one is probably one that's been pretty pretty well covered mm-hmm. uh, in the spaces we 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 circulate in, right? But this was the study done uh, on the question of being the most involved dad, right? I don't know. Uh, is that? Can you guys even see that? Uh, Put a one if you guys can actually see that. I'm not sure if it's large enough. But, uh, uh, they, they'll work with it. All right. Okay. So let me see here. You go on full. Go take it. To, go at full screen. It is. It, oh, I don't. It, when I click oh, oh, it, oh, on on uh, on. Uh, yeah, basically, on, uh, hit, hit what is either solo hit solo. Um, yeah, that's that's big enough. Yeah, that'll do, that'll do. Oh, you talking about that? Go. Yeah, that one. Yeah. All right, so there we go. Uh, all right, so let me see. I should have pulled up the hit so Let me see if I can find it here. All right. Anyway, so if you can see the kind of study, the study as it's broken down here, this is a breakdown of uh, Latino, white, and black men. The orange line is black men. And it breaks down the percentage, according to the National Center for Health Statistics, of which men, which fathers, right, spend the most time and are most involved with their children, right? Mm-hmm. So we can see the breakdown here for children under five and children ages five to 18. Overwhelmingly, in each category, I should say most consistently, you tend to see that black men remain in the highest categories. Now, you've, you've broken this down. You've done, I think you've done videos to this, right? Yes. What's the most pushback you tend to get when you post this kind of information? Uh, really, I, it's less pushback. It's more about uh, it's more about surprise. Okay. Because it's you've heard about it, but the thing is, we always get the things that we actually the worst deaths or the the uh, uh, the uh, most abandoned, right? But things it, it's actually the, the opposite. So oh. you tend to hear more surprise that I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, and then they actually go and wave it in black women's faces too. So you get that. So well, shout out. I hear push pushback mostly comes from the women that they don't yeah. believe it. Yeah, shout out to Geechee, man. That's that man. I'm, that that moves me to hear that. I hope you you you're doing much better, bro. 
Um, what I've gotten, it, yeah, it has been from black women. And, and one of the things that I've heard, uh, especially right after it came out, most was, well, I don't agree with the studies because that's what that's not what me and my girls talk about. Right. So, yeah. You know, and I, and I'll just be like, OK, so it's you and your girls versus the National Center for Health Statistics. Yeah. OK. You know, yeah. which is which normally they're lying. So well, yeah. <laughs> when they say me and my girls. OK, well, but they don't include the girl, the the their the, the rowdy friends or the raunchy friends. They exclude them. They always cut them out. Yeah. Well, well, my sister, my sister, my cousins and my auntie, they all do that. But my my, my circle of friends don't do that. Mm. Yeah. See, Dead Set uh, says much of the pushback I've heard on the issue is that they say it was all self-reported and that the men are lying. Mm -hmm. The thing about studies like this is that when you're covering a large population of men, you know, to have a coordinated effort amongst so many is, is really not realistic. But, mm -hmm. you know, of course, you know, whatever they can do to kind of shame it, they're going to do. But, you know, I just wanted to put this up because, you know, you get we get a lot of new people in. We get people that have heard bits and pieces. And so we don't all, you know, always have the same information. So I wanted to do a show where we could really just kind of break down uh, some of the things some of us know, uh, share some information. And if we got some new information, you know, do that as well. Shout out to mm -hmm. Samuel for the cash app. So here's another. Mm -hmm. This is dealing with the top 10 leading causes of death. And there's a lot of different things we could talk about on this, but this is for black women. Right? Shout out to Artisan, Artisan MC in the house. What's going on? He's been doing uh, reviews of the episodes of The Last of Us. So go check him out on his channel. If you've been watching the series, mm -hmm. um, check out his reviews. He, I think he's doing it by episode. So He's doing episode by episode, yeah. Yeah, so support, uh, support the show. But this particular chart is for black females, and it's 1999 to 20, 2019, right? So it's 20 years the top of 10 leading causes of death. Now, one of the popular stereotypes going around was that for a few years ago, and I still hear it casually kind of referenced, is that somehow black men are the leading cause of death for black women. Mm -hmm. And that abuse, you know, is so rampant in the black community, or I should say intimate partner homicide is so rampant that black men are, as I've heard it stated, killing black women in mass. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to kind of show you. So you can see homicide. Homicide are all the red squares or rectangles here uh, for the ages 1 through 44. Right? Those are the, the for the ages 1 to 44, homicide does fit within the top 10 causes of death uh, for mm -hmm. those that age range. But if you go all the way over to this right category, this right column that says all ages, these are the absolute mm -hmm. top 10 things that kill black females. From 1999 to 2019. And one of the things you'll notice is that homicide is not in this top 10 by any measure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not there at all. Starts at heart disease and ends at influenza and pneumonia. <laughs> so pneumonia kills more women, black women, than uh, homicide. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a good sociologist friend of mine told me, he said, you, you, you got a better chance of being struck by lightning or dying in a flood <laughs> than being killed by an intimate partner. So that's <laughs> I just want to put that on everybody's radar. Shout out to Dusty Nuts. He says, if I'm quiet, I'm learning. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, but just wanted to kind of point that out. So even if you look at the numbers here, um, 22, I'd say, you know, you're dealing with you know, somewhere around 20, 25,000 in general. That's across 20 years across ages one to 44 years old. And that's not just intimate partner homicide. That's any kind of homicide, right? Those are the numbers. When you look at black men, 
This is the black male chart for the same time period, 1999 to 2019, top 10 causes of death. Homicide is number five, right? But again, we're, we're talking specifically about the stereotypes about black men being homicidal monsters to black women, right? Now, I know you've heard this, this critique before, right? You've heard this accusation right. lobbied at black men. What do you yeah. usually tell them? I mean, I mean, one number one, the, the uh, data doesn't support it. Okay, mm-hmm. number one, and number two, um, it's been proven that it's bidirectional. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's number two. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit of that, but you're absolutely right. But yeah, what else? Yeah. You know what I'm and, and and the thing is, well, I was here for, especially from intersectional feminists, that uh, the most dangerous person to black, dangerous thing to black women is actually black men. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always mm-hmm. tell them, well, go date somebody else. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know what I tell them is the most dangerous uh, thing to black women is is not only not only is it not black men, it's uh, it's really like McDonald's, <laughs> which is true if you look at it. The heart disease, okay, yeah. black heart men disease on McDonald's, yeah, heart de- heart disease and uh, and cancer, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, we like I said, we just picking through. And if there's anything else in here you want to comment on, just let me know before I move to the to the next thing. And the thing is, the funny thing is, I, I noticed this with uh, with this chart that uh, heart disease is the leading cause of death from ages of thirty five. Man, for for black men, mm-hmm. and it doesn't show for black women uh, as leading cause of death until they're you know until they're sixty five. Absolutely, just, it shows you how much stress black men are under. Yeah, I'll go back. So this is the black women's chart, mm-hmm. and you can see. Um, at 35, it's about 23,000, you know, black women that have died due to heart disease. Mm-hmm. It kicks up to 61 mm-hmm. when you get over the age of 45. It kicks up to 104 over the age of 55. And then it kicks up over to 567,000 over the yeah. age of 65. 65. Yeah, when they're, when they're basically old age. Yeah. yeah. So it becomes the number one killer at over the age of 65, right? Mm-hmm. You go to black men. It becomes yep. the number one killer as early as 35 years old. Yep. And 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 the numbers overall, so 769,781. Uh, it was only a few years ago mm-hmm. where black men, uh, the numbers for heart disease pushed past black women. Because mm-hmm. before it was more that you kind of had more brothers dying earlier. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't even reaching the age where heart disease became a factor. But then that that changed probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Numbers for black men kicked up higher. So I just wanted to put that out there so we can actually clarify some of these myths about black men. Right. Um, OK, so this is the next one. We can deal with intimate partner homicide. Now, we hear a lot of rates and stats about how often black men kill their partners and this mm-hmm. and that. Now, I've already showed you. Right, that homicide is not in the top ten causes of death for black women, um, but here are the actual numbers. Right, according to the National Violent Death Reporting System, 2018 and 2021, these are the actual numbers. So you can see it uh, for the first line: 2003, 57 black female victims, 22 black male victims. Now, this is also mitigated by the number of states that report. Right. And the reason the numbers keep going up as you go down in this list is because more states report. But keep in mind, this is the data that people are referencing when they make these statements about black men. Mm-hmm. So how long? So, so you've been, you know, well, I'll just ask you, how long have you been hearing that black men are the worst thing in the world to black women, that black men are the number one killers and all? 
How long have you been hearing that trope? Oh man, my whole life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My whole life. But if we go to 2003, which is the first year they reported on this, mm-hmm. talking about 57, 57 people. Yeah. yeah. More more black women died of the flu than from yeah. black men killing them. And when you combine both both numbers for black male victims and black female victims, mm-hmm. what are we talking about here? About 79 people? That's out of yeah. 43, 40, what is it? 43 to 46 million. I can't remember yeah. which one it is now. 40, yeah. you know, 46 million black folk. Yeah. We're talking about 79 people. Okay, so when my, my sociologist friend said you got a better chance of being struck by lightning than yeah, being killed by an intimate partner. Yeah, you do. This is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. 2017, you got 172 black female victims, 93. Now that sounds like a huge difference, but again, when you measure that against 40 plus million black folk, what mm-hmm. are we really talking about? Yeah, yeah. And we're not even <laughs> talk, talk, talking about uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, female female and female victims. Oh yeah, which is which LGBTQ numbers are higher or higher yeah. for lesbians. Yes. Right. So so that's so that's built into that female victim stat. Absolutely, and keep mm-hmm. in mind too. When women hire assassins, and you know, and and I've said this plenty of times. If you look mm-hmm. at you know at the works of Warren Farrell, he talks about this even in the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. He said wealthy women hire assassins; poor women use sex. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with younger men, they use sex to manipulate younger men into killing for them. So you got mm-hmm. a woman that wants to kill her husband; she'll either hire an assassin or she'll use sex to manipulate another man mm-hmm. to do it. If he's successful and he's caught. Really, all it gets recorded as is one man killing another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless he's caught as an instigator, which is, I would argue, fairly rare. Those numbers don't get calculated as intimate partner homicide. No. I would argue the number of men that are killed would be higher if we actually had information on when women hire assassins. Yeah, we should, I wish we could actually do one on proxy violence. Indeed. Instigated by, by females. Because that's the most common. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you'll notice in 20, uh, 2015, 10 more states reported, so the numbers jumped up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily it's to say that the you know the number of people killed grew. It was just you have more states reporting. But here's 2018 and 2019, right? And even now, we're, uh, by, that, by 2019, we were up to 42 states reporting. Mm-hmm. Look what we're talking about. Yeah. They always use the, the, the percentage, okay? Yes, to actually to actually uh, exaggerate the number of people actually killed. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you that black men kill more black women by ratio than other groups yeah. of their women. Yeah. But what I found when I studied it as well is black women kill more men than other groups of women kill their men. Yeah, so that's something that can be lobbied both ways if that's important to you. Mm-hmm. If if you really have to make that, but I like to show the raw numbers just to put it in context. We're literally talking about a couple hundred people out of 40 plus million. Right. Yet black men are measured against the smallest, you know, infinitesimal group possible. Right. This is right up here with serial killers. And this somehow becomes a reflection of all black men. Yeah. Right. So I just kind of wanted to put some raw numbers in your face so you can kind of, you know, contextualize these these myths and accusations. Right. Let's go. Let's go ahead and move to the next. All right, so this one has to do with um, black men being exonerated, you know, found innocent, even after having spent years in prison. Mm-hmm. Of the 75 innocent death row defendants who spent 30 years or longer in prison before being exonerated, 67% were black. 
The racial pattern is similar for all murder exonerees, regardless of sentence. The report notes, this is coming from deathpenaltyinfo.org in September of 2022. Any thoughts about this? Mm. You got 67% of those found innocent on death row. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that's the myth of the, of the, of the black male uh, criminal, you know, mm-hmm. that a lot of times, you know, they, what they call the usual suspect, mm-hmm. right? Let's you actually see this, you know, they get railroaded a lot of times, but that's, that's been the case, you know, it goes all the way back to uh, Jim Crow where they just, okay. Uh, we believe he did something and you have to get hung or get disappeared or get put in prison. Right. Yeah. Right. It's easy to accuse black men, one, because when you talk about media, when you talk about stereotypes and the degree yeah. in which media has helped to shape and make those stereotypes a reality for people, yeah. yeah, the idea that black men are murderers, it just comes across as, you know, easy. It goes like bacon and Believe eggs, yeah. Yeah. yeah, peanut butter and jelly. It just goes together in people's minds. Yeah. Yep. But as we've had DNA technology, you know, develop, one of the things we find is that more and more black men are found innocent. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that people are, for the most part, aware of in many instances. So I like to keep that information, you know, right there on front page. As a matter of fact, and this is how this is how frequent this stuff is. This just ran across my desk earlier today. Uh-huh. Uh, hold on, let me. And convicted. You know, I don't I don't know if this is actually going to play. Hold on. I don't know if the sound will come through. For some reason, I'm, I'm always having trouble with that. Um, here we go. I don't know. I know you guys can probably see it, but I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, let me see if you can. Just being in prison. Uh, we can hear it. We can hear it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, where'd it go? Where did I thought it was on the screen? Where did it? It was, yeah. Okay. All right, let's try that again. All right, let's see if it'll let me play. Home and convicted of a rape charge. You know, I mean, it it it, it it's a blemish. It 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 it, it tears you down. It destroys you. Fifty-three-year-old Sullivan Walter of New Orleans, Louisiana, spent thirty-six years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. When he was only seventeen years old, he was accused of raping a woman and threatening her eight-year-old son. Even though the woman didn't get a good look at the rapist, Walter was accused. One of the officers, an, an officer at the NOPD, saw the composite drawing of head. Hey, that looks like Sullivan Walter. Let let's see let let let's see if he fits the suspect rape case. And then it was, I think, an inadvertent misidentification by the victim of the rape. During the trial, an expert testified about semen left behind. It didn't match Walter's, yet he was still sentenced to 39 years in prison. The Innocence Project was able to get the DNA evidence re-examined, clearing the way for Walter's exoneration. My blood type showed that I was the total opposite. Walter was wrongly convicted when he was just 17 years old, mm-hmm. making him the fifth longest incarceration of any juvenile in the United States. I'm not angry. I'm not looking for anyone to be punished, but I would like for what is broken to be fixed. All right. Any thoughts about that, brother? I mean, this, I mean, 
how many times do we actually hear this? I mean, it's so many, it, it happens so often and it happens uh, uh, so much that it's just common. Yeah. So every, every, seems like every year he actually hears something like this where guys been in for, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years for something that, it, that he didn't do. Basically, uh, um, youth, black youth are actually most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, we're actually disposable. Yeah. So they need to uh, uh, clear their uh, clear their books. Go get, a, go go get a black guy. Go get a black kid. Put them on trial. Yeah. Nobody will actually believe you. Yeah. You know, you got brothers talking about anger. I I hear you, but you yeah. know, the, the, just to you know defend him a little bit, he's been sitting in a cell for thirty six years. Yeah, thirty nine. Yeah. He or excuse me, thirty nine. He had to let go of the anger, or else it would have ate him alive. Mm-hmm. That was the only, for him, I think it was a survival mechanism. But I agree that we, as a collective, should be angry enough to challenge this. But he, yeah. as an individual, that, that was a survival uh, uh, method for him. Yeah, you're, you're, the, uh, you're the sacrificial lamb for the whole, uh, whole culture, the whole country. Indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, and just on another tip, when's the last time you saw a brother wearing an afro? I mean, he has been. <laughs> he's been in there a while, yeah. He's been in there a while, man. But you know, and I'm not. I'm actually not being flippant. I'm serious. He's that mm-hmm. he, he's so disconnected in a certain respect. But that's the reality, right? So I just wanted to kind of again put that there. Just like the story you did, uh, I think what a uh, last week, right? About the uh, about the the guy dying from cancer was getting out. I'm just so happy to get out of out of prison. It didn't Absolutely. matter that he was dying. Didn't matter that he was even dying. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so. You know, like I said, these aren't in any particular order. We just shooting down myths. So this this is the child maltreatment 2020 report, mm-hmm. right? Again, going with the stereotype that black men are are the most dangerous, even to their own family. So, and, and this is something I've heard for for decades. It's not right. only that they kill their own women; they kill their own kids mm-hmm. more than any other demographic. Now, you tell yeah. me, am I imagining that, or have you heard that? Uh, yeah, I've heard it. And normally it's not the uh, the actual father of the child. It's normally the boyfriend, if it does when, happen. When it does happen. When it does happen. It's very seldom the father, the father, the biological father. Yeah. Well, let's see what the child maltreatment 2020 report broke mm-hmm. down. And I've done shows on all of this, but I thought I'd just consolidate a good portion of this in one show. Right. So it says most perpetrators were 18 to 44 when it comes mm-hmm. to those who actually did, uh, you know, delete their children. Mm-hmm. So most perpetrators were 18 to 44. They were a parent. Mm-hmm. They were female. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in terms of race, they were there were more white than black. Well, you know, because the numbers anyway. And killed infants younger than one year old, more so by neglect and, phys- and physical abuse. Right. But the primary victims were more often than not boys. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it says uh, 504 black. 560 white, 1,750 children in all. There's nearly 90%, 88.1% of child fatalities are one of three races, white at 38.7%, African-American at 349 Hispanic at 14.5%. Using the number of victims and the population data to create rates highlights some racial disparity, right? So the rates of African-American child fatalities, 5.90 per 100,000. Right. This is 3.1 times greater than the rate of white child fatalities at 1.9 per 100,000 and 3.6 times greater than the rates of Hispanic child fatalities. Mm -hmm. So you have a a smaller number of black children killed, 
but a much higher rate. And the reason that that's important is because, again, remember the population size. Right. Right. When you compare the populations of white versus black versus Hispanic for black children to be in the same range, the 500 range in terms mm-hmm. of the number of children, that should tell you right. more. Yeah. But to put it another way, there's about 500 ki- uh, kids, per, you know, uh, per year that are, are killed, according to this report. And at no point in the breakdown of the primary perpetrators do you see black men. Right. Yeah. No. We are. So, you know, again, just to put clarity to the accusations, this is not something that fathers are doing. No. Right. Very just, subtle. Very seldom. Very seldom. And like you said, tends to be boyfriends when it does tends happen. To be, and when it does happen, tends to be boyfriends. Yeah. Especially if there are drugs involved. Mm. You know what I mean? In the household, you'll often find boyfriends. But anyway, so again, just to kind of put that there. Right. And here's another related to that. This is actually something I found on Dr. Stacy Patton's uh, Twitter. I think last year, uh, child abuse fatalities and perpetrators by gender among African-Americans, all U.S. states. This is 2015 to 2020. Right. So you got total black child fatalities, 3,146. This is a five year period. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm going to start from. uh well, I'll just I'll, I'll start from the far right. So you got black female perpetrators, you know, two thousand one hundred and six. Black male perpetrators, you got sixteen hundred and ninety-two. Mm-hmm. Right? You got black female victims, thirteen hundred and thirty-four. Black male victims, eighteen hundred and twelve. Wow. Okay. You know, so what we're really what this the reason I showed you guys this chart. This is National Data Archive on Child Abuse and Neglect. NCANDS child file. The reason I shared this is to show you which kids have actually been dying. Now, it shouldn't be any kids. I mean, it's sad for me to have to point that out at all, but I find it interesting that black males are dying in noticeably higher numbers, mm-hmm. so much so that it needed to even be pointed out. Right? 1,800 black male victims as a result of this. And the other thing, of course, as we already covered, Black female perpetrators are the highest. So yeah. in essence, what the numbers are showing us is that it's not black men that are killing their children. It's actually more black women and yeah. black boys tend to be the children killed more often than not. Yep. Right. And it, and it stands to reason. And I think, uh, you know, Sergeant Willie Pete is saying in the comment section, we don't have custody. Mm-hmm. To be the primary killers more than custody. You know, we're not child. Ki- we generally uh, aren't the, uh, the, uh, 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 child care providers, but I'm, I don't mean child care industry. I'm talking about yep. we're not usually hands on. Well, you notice what what the perpetrator, they're not necessarily parents. Mm-hmm. They don't have like, to. Be, right? Yeah. 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 They can be child care providers. They can be. Boy, you know, but even uh, in that context, they the tend boy, to be the, more women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even there. But the thing is, when you the boy boosts up the males is that the women are actually the mothers, but the, most the perpetrators are actually uh, boyfriends. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So even the numbers that we're seeing there that are higher mm-hmm. than, uh, than we would like them to be often aren't fathers. But I our, think our, our fathers, yeah. But for a good five year period, this clarifies a pattern where you actually have, you know, those who actually provide more of the, the child care services mm-hmm. be it in a household or in society tend to be women. And, you know, but the interesting thing to me about this, the first time I saw it, I had never seen data 
that that pointed out that black male children tend to be the victims more often than not. Mm. You know. Um shout out to Stacey Patton. Shout out to Stacey Patton. Uh Black Uru Strikes is the trend over over uh, the six years of the black female deaths is flat, but the trend of the black male deaths is increasing. Mm. Isn't that a trip? Mm-hmm. Economic stress, yeah. Economic stress, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much identifying with your own gender may play into this on a subconscious level. Yeah, or, or hating your no good daddy. Okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. There we go. Nah, I, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Strike that. <laughs> Strike on the record. Huh? <laughs> oh, that one's staying in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Um, now, this one was one that uh, I've shown before. It's a study that deals with intimate partner violence that I think is drastically underestimated. It's a 2012 study, Mm -hmm. right? But it's important for a variety of reasons that I'll cover. But this is entitled Rates of Bidirectional versus Unidirectional Intimate Partner Violence Across Samples. Uh, Here, I I think the best way for me to show this before I delve into the numbers is, uh, where did it go? There it is. Let me see if uh, see if StreamYard will work with me real quick. And there, I think there was a. They've been adding so many different features now. Oh crap! Now I got to go in here and look for it. Okay, one second. I think this is important because uh, I think it'll really kind of just drive it home uh, for many. Ah, uh, they're not going to let me show it. All right, they're being extra. Wow, it's not even coming up there. Interesting. Oh, there it is. All right. All right. So real quick. So many of you, I don't know if you guys have seen this one uh, bouncing around social media, right? And this is across race. But what it shows you is when you look at all relationships at the bottom, 84% of relationships are nonviolent. Mm-hmm. Of the 16% that are, right, we find that... Uh, of that 16% is violence coming from one gender to the other. And 58% of that is bidirectional, violence coming both ways. And then when we look at the the unidirectional, meaning one gender extending violence to the other, 28% of that is female, 14% of that is male. I think the reason men are more associated with violence is men tend to use their hands, and of course men tend to be stronger. Right. So the evidence of violence is more apparent on women. Right. The evidence of violence is more apparent. It gives the illusion that men are the initiators, but you actually find women are. Women tend to use weapons. Uh, women tend to use a lot of verbal abuse, these things, mm-hmm. and women tend to usually strike first. But, you know, that's it. But the reason I'm showing you this is this actual chart actually comes from the study I'm referencing. Right. So it comes from the study I'm referencing. And that's where they pull it from. But the study has some other interesting components to it. So this is a um, partner violence across samples, sexual orientations, and race slash ethnicities, a comprehensive review. The reason it's important as a comprehensive review is it's not just a study. It's a study of multiple studies going back uh, Mm. decades. So it's a meta study. Okay. Study of the studies. Right. And some interesting information in here that I thought you guys should see it says this procedure. So black men suffer from unidirectional violence to the greatest degree. Mm, wow. So according to this study, 
that we just looked at. This is this is what they produced. This procedure resulted in retaining seven epidemiological population-based studies with a total of 82,836 sampling units, 44,930 females, 38,906 males. One of the things I see people doing uh, when they argue against stats is they try to diminish the numbers based on what we don't know. So they'll say, oh, that just came from a study of of 40 people. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted you guys to see, no, this came from over a study of over 82,836 sampling units. Mm. That's how many different people, right? Almost 45,000 females, almost 40,000 males. So just to put that out there, this is not a lightweight study. This is a meta study mm-hmm. of a variety of studies. There's among those reporting IPV and using weighted averages across these samples, 57.9% of the violence reported was bidirectional. Right. Mm-hmm. Correspondingly, 42.1 percent of the violence reported was unidirectional. So this is going over what I just showed you guys in the chart. Now, hold on. Let me. There we go. This is part of the same study. This is the same study. This is table eight in the study itself. And what it shows you is for each group, white, black and Hispanic, Mm-hmm. rates of bidirectional and unidirectional violence, right? So if we stick to the three columns in the middle, we're looking at the black community, mm-hmm. right? And you can see in the, all of these listed on the left are the various studies over the years. Now, they, and they use more than this. They use more than this in this study. But what they're showing you is that in terms of male to female violence, mm-hmm. 8% in the first category, 12%, 13%. They break down the percentage of male to female violence, female to male violence. What do you mm. notice in this? <laughs> Much higher. It's higher. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you look at the bi-directional violence, again, the majority. So what it's saying in this first column is 61% of the violence in the black community, according to this Satano study in 2005, mm-hmm. 61% of it is bi-directional. 8% of it is male to female. 31% of it is female to male. They do that for each of the studies. This is how exact in particular this analysis is. And what they've come to more than anything is that women initiate violence more, even mm-hmm. in the black, you know, especially in the black community. Right. Men initiate it less. And the majority, I didn't mean to do that. And the majority of the violence is bi-directional. Any thoughts about that at all, bro? It doesn't surprise me. Klingons. Okay. Didn't surprise Damn. me at all. <laughs> Damn. But you know, again, these are things that we've re- we've reflected on, we've talked about, we've assumed, yeah. but we didn't always have the studies. And most yeah. of the studies that we tend to find tend to be, I would argue, you know, uh, fundamentally yeah. focused on women's experiences. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, so many of them, even in terms of funding, are geared around women's experiences, and and generally have to dive into the details to find yeah. the data on males. Yeah, there's there's less of a uh, penalty when women actually become violent, whereas yeah. men, you're going to jail. You're going to know jail. that. Yeah. Even if even if it's evident that she's been violent, there's no there's no guarantee she's going to be the one to go. Right. Right. So men tend not to, you know, not to raise their hands towards women. Not in this country. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, even though this is a 2012 report, it's covering studies that go back to the 1980s mm-hmm. and it's dealing with almost 90,000 people. So when you really begin to look at how that study breaks out, this is mm-hmm. important. 
Yeah. Not only does it show you that men are different than how they're characterized, that mm-hmm. but also that black men yeah. find themselves on the receiving end of abuse yeah. far more than on the uh, extending end. Black men are most vulnerable to this kind of stuff because Absolutely. there's because there's less of a penalty um, uh, preventing it. So yeah. and women, well, black women know that we're not going to jail. You're going to jail, go to jail. We've seen that. Oh yeah. And that's the, that's that, that's the, the, not only proxy violence, mm-hmm. but it, when you're actually willing to use law enforcement in a way that you know is more often than not going to be a threat mm-hmm. to a black male's existence. Mm-hmm. Right? When you're willing to call the police on them just because you're upset, mm-hmm. knowing full well where it can go mm-hmm. versus if he called the police on you. Right. I mean, black men find if they call the police on a woman, they might get arrested. Yeah, I remember that day. I think it was was it uh, Cleveland where the, the the wife had the uh, the knife to her husband's throat and the husband wound up getting shot. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the son I think uh, called the police at his father's request. Mm-hmm. Police showed up and shot him, even though she had a knife to his throat. Mm-hmm. And then they took her to the hospital to make sure she was okay. Was okay. Mm-hmm. She was the murderer. She was the murderer. Mm-hmm. But I got another one uh, that, again, this came across my desk today. And this is a brother that's dealing with the very thing we're talking about. So you guys tell me what your thoughts are about this. Mm. Here we go. What a motherfucker got to go through. Hard worker, man. This is what I got. This 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 is what I got to deal through with with somebody like this, mm-hmm. somebody that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? This is the type of shit you got to deal with, man. When a motherfucker work hard every motherfucking day. I work hard every day. I go every motherfucking day. Every motherfucking day. Right? Every motherfucking day. Yeah, whatever. Oh, you can do that. You can do that. What you mad about though? What you mad about though? What you mad about? What you mad about? This is what I got to do with. So anybody. Anybody that see this, yeah, this know this for a witness. Look, look, look at her ugly ass. Right the mm-hmm. ugly ass is a bitch. Yeah, I'm fat. I'm doing all yeah. this. I'm doing all this. And she yep, got three baby daddies. One of them tried yep, to kill her. Yep, and I'm mm. fat. All this shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my baby daddy's still trying to marry me. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? I'm they're done with you. You already done with. Any boy at his fuck, so you already done with. Nobody gonna want to fuck with you. Yeah, but you in the car with her, Kablock. Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts about that, brother? Just cling on love, man. Just cling on love. Typical, but he's still in the car with her. She's still trying to, uh, still trying to probably gonna have sex with him right after they get home. Mm. What's she rubbing on him? Kablock. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is you know. But I he's, wanted to show he's you a battered wife. <laughs> well, and 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 I wanted to show you you know a face to some mm. of the stats we're looking at because for yeah. some people you know numbers get to me when presented like this when I can see the relationship of the numbers between, you know, different experiences that, that does something for me, but some, some people, it's just a page with numbers on it. I want you to see what this can actually look like. And the thing about it is far too many brothers, even the brothers listening to this stream right now, watching this stream have had experiences that are close enough to this shit. Yeah. They've had enough experiences, whether they're going to admit it publicly or not, there's too many brothers that have had similar experiences. So we can laugh at this cat all we want, but Mm -hmm. Some of y'all know you didn't been him on one level or another. Mm-hmm. 
in some fashion or form, you know, but the, but I just wanted to put face to some of these numbers because part of the reason she could behave like that yeah, is she knew that she's likely not going to go to jail. No matter what happens, even yeah. if she does, she's not going to suffer anything near as much as if he had put hands on her in an, in a way that was clearly evidenced. If she it, was the one sitting there bleeding, bleeding. Yeah. Be yeah. yeah. He'd be in jail. Yeah. He'd be in jail. No she's not in jail. Even if he calls the police, she's mm-hmm. not in jail. And I've known women to get out of jail while the man that they assaulted or shot was right. still in the hospital. Yeah. Still in the hospital. He ain't even healed from the, from what's happened. She's already out. So I wanted to give some clarity to some of these numbers and put a face to it. I didn't put him up to be laughed at. I put him up to, to point out this is what some cats are dealing with. And I hope more and more black men are walking away from this kind of violence. Because I think some cats believe that this is, these are all the options they have available to them. I, it's normal to them. It, that's, you know, that's just black women. That's how you show love. You know, you know yeah. abuse is love. A lot of guys do. He shouldn't even be in the car with her, much less no, uh, talking about her. No, that shows you that he's not going anywhere. Well, I don't know how old this is, and I hope he's gone mm-hmm. from this. Um, and Uru hitting again. He said, and clearly, she's done that to him many times. Yeah, yeah. So, but I wanted to put a face to that. Yeah. Um, go ahead. And he, uh, also, he said he she had another baby daddy that almost killed her. So she's a violent person. Um, so this is the next one up. And this one is a slide that I, I use in my classes. And the reason I'm putting this up in terms of cancer, prostate cancer in particular, and heart disease, the reason I show this uh, is because I hear a lot about breast cancer. I hear a lot about women. And I remember this is actually something, this came about from a conversation I had with Tommy. And we were, I don't remember how we got to it, but we were just casually talking about cancer. And he was like, well, you know, the rates for men are much higher. Yeah. The thing about it is I had never heard that at that point. Mm-hmm. I had never heard that information. So so just to kind of, I know it's hard to see the two charts. They're kind of small. Mm-hmm. I apologize for that. But the chart on the left is for males. The chart on the right are for females. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you may not be able to see clearly is uh, on the side has the, the rates per 100,000. Starts at mm-hmm. zero at the bottom, goes to 350 at the top. The women's numbers in the red line are black women. The yellow line are white women. Um, uh, you know, you got green is Asian. Mm-hmm. I think blue is uh, Pacific Islander and then Hispanic is brown. So the highest line there are black women. And you see it's right around a rate of 200 per 100,000. Mm-hmm. Black men's rate rates range from 350 in 1999 to about 275 in 2011. About almost double. Yeah. Yeah. So black men's are higher, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of prostate cancer, African American men are more likely to develop prostate cancer compared to Caucasian men and are nearly two and a half times as likely to die from the disease. Seen above, cancer rates are even much higher in black men than in women, although scientists do not yet understand why prostate cancer incidence and death rates are higher among black men. It is widely believed that it is a combination of genetic differences, lifestyle, nutrition habits, nutritional habits, and medical care may all play a role in the statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already talked about heart disease on the top 10 causes of death. 
but it is the absolute leading cause of death. Um, you know, what I wanted to point out in terms of cancer, for, for everything we hear about cancer, the only time it's gendered mm-hmm. in pop culture and the mainstream uh, media is when it's dealing with breast cancer. Right. And even and here's the here's the rub. Black men can get breast cancer. Yeah. So e- even though women far outnumber men in terms of breast cancer, men can get breast cancer. When it comes to prostate cancer, unless you're going to start playing with, with trans <laughs> folks, ain't no women getting prostate cancer. Ain't no women getting prostate cancer. You know, um, but anyway, so so I just wanted to point that out. When you really look at, when you start to look at the data around cancer, you find that black men, not just men, black men in particular, numbers are higher. Right. And so I want, and I also want you guys to see why we do the kind of stuff we do. Shout out to Cedric for the cash app. Appreciate that generous support. Thank you for that. Um, I wanted to show you why I'm so driven about black men because I know these stats and, and, um, oh man, Uru's dropping it tonight. He said Richard Roundtree has breast cancer. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That's back maybe 25 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I had not heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's only like somewhere between, I think it's like around 2%. Two to four yeah. percent, somewhere in there, yeah. of, of men that get breast cancer, especially yeah. in the black community. Yeah, um, it's rare. It's rare, mm-hmm. but you know, but it, it is nonetheless. It's ironic that men and women can get breast cancer, and we fixate on breast cancer as a gendered issue, but only as it pertains to women. Meanwhile, prostate cancer is higher, and mm-hmm. nobody really like. When's the last time you actually saw sporting events where people were wearing ribbons to raise funds? For <laughs> prostate cancer? I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it, right? Uh, shout out to to Pimes is uh, got to have a prostate to get it. Right? Well, I see you. Yes, you do. Um, and I would urge brothers to stay on top of that. You know, which is something I, I need to do at this point as well. Is that you know you can forget about it for a period of time, but stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. It's nonetheless something men experience more. So, any any final observations before I move from here? No, I mean you know. Th- th- the most vulnerable people are actually the most ignored. Yeah. Yeah. That's black like men. I mean, how many how many times do we have to see stats like this? Yeah. But to get no attention. Shout out to Mr. Black ADOS. Says my homie died of breast cancer 25 years ago. Mm. Oh. Yeah. You don't see that in the news, though. No, very, very seldom. Very seldom. Look at this. You see, this is this is what happens when you when you show black men, look, the ribbons will be brown, right? <laughs> oh, you ain't <laughs> shit. <laughs> You know what I mean, trying to share information. With you, you can't take them nowhere. You can't take them nowhere, man. Just anyway. Um, so, like I said, this is just random. We're just covering point by point. Mm-hmm. Now, many of you may remember this. This came from a popular study a couple of years ago performed by uh, one uh, Raj Chetty. Mm-hmm. One of the things he discovered is when it came to black males and wealth, mm-hmm. that black males, which you can see by the the hot pink dots on there tend to drop out of uh, the upper class in much higher numbers than any other demographic. Right. And fall to lower degrees than any other demographic. Mm-hmm. Now, there were a lot of aspects to the study. I've done a show on it. I know BGS has covered it. Right. But I thought I'd just include this graph just to give you a sense of it. And this was actually a, a an animated graph. So this is a still mm-hmm. of an animated graph. But it just kind of shows you overall that when it comes to wealth, Black men tend to fall out of wealth to higher degrees than any other group. And when they fall, they don't bounce back 
as right. much as others do. I mean, in another part of the study, it even showed that black women's uh, status was highly dependent upon black men's. Yes. Yeah, and, and and basically, what happens is, uh, if you're born into poverty, black men especially tend to stay in poverty mm-hmm. to higher degrees than any other group. Yeah, and it, it, born it, in the upper class. But go ahead. Just just below white women, believe it or not. Mm. What white white women? Um, if they're born into poverty, they tend to stay in poverty. So mm-hmm. black men, white men, white women, and and black women, white women and black men have um, have that in common. Mm-hmm. Very class sensitive. And like you said, then black men tend to can tend to drop out of the upper class or the middle class. Yeah. 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 And this is, uh, you know, I didn't actually pull the study up, but you can find it pretty easily. If you put in Raj Chetty, R-A-J, mm-hmm. last name C-H-E-T-T-Y, mm-hmm. um, you should be able to find this study. At, pretty at, Brook- at Brookings Institute, I do believe. Brookings um, I should have included it in here. I didn't. I apologize. But you can find the animated version of this chart pretty easily. Yeah, I think see it for it's, yourself. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. It was the Atlantic or the Wall Street Journal? I can't remember. I think the New York Times. I think that's what it was. I have to go back and look at it. I can pull it up quick. I'll do it. If not, then I'll leave mm-hmm. it to you, good brothers. Uh, you Google masters. Um, <laughs> yeah, New York Times. Yeah, you know. Um, I think the animated chart is on this page. Let me see. Yeah. So extensive data shows yeah, okay. of racism for black boys. Mm-hmm. I will include the link in the chat for those of you who are interested in looking at it. And there it is right there. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is how, how, they drop, how they drop out of the, out of the upper class. Most white boys raised in wealthy families will stay rich or upper middle class as adults, but black boys raised in similarly rich households will not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the wealth doesn't transfer over like it does for white for white men. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important data to look at too, because sometimes I hear us being overly exuberant about dismissing the whole question of systemic issues and just making it all about individual drive. Mm-hmm. But these are the systemic issues. This is how systemic uh, practices impact individual black males. Right. And I think it's important that we understand how these things happen. It can't all just come from uh, personal uplift and bootstrapism. It can't. At some point, you have to deal with the environment you're in and what actually happens. I don't know why this is a different. I don't know if there's more than one animated chart, but I just wanted them to see mm-hmm. the progression of it because it's still going. But you can see the breakdown. Right. Follow, following the lives of 10,000 boys who grew up in rich families and where mm. they end up as adults. Right. Mm. Yep. That's 10,000. So when, when people want to dismiss what you're saying and say, oh, that was just a couple hundred people. No, that was out yeah. of 10,000. Over a long-term study. Yeah. Mm. Now, re- the reason uh, Chetty's work was so impactful a few years ago is because it really did imp- it did show that this is gendered. Yeah. It's not really about women and girls. It's about men and boys. Yeah. Large income gaps persist between men, but not women. Mm-hmm. See the breakdown here on the left for men, breakdown on the right for women. This, this really dovetails into Jim Sedanius's work about the subordinate target, uh, the subordinate male target hypothesis, you know, mm-hmm. the impact that when you really see one group, oppressing another it's usually men on men 
the women have a very different experience. Right. So, um, and I think there's another study, uh, or there's another uh, article on Chetty's work, and I think it's called, it's, it is about the boys or something like that. Right. You yeah. see a black boy in the cover. Mm-hmm. Right. So share of children living in low poverty neighborhoods with, with many fathers present. See the breakdown there. 63% of white kids, 4% of black kids, share of children living in high poverty neighborhoods with few pro- fathers present. Mm. Right. And you see the breakdown there. 1% of white kids, 66% of black kids. So he even quotes William Julius Wilson. Um, so here, another animated chart for poor children. The pattern is reversed. Mm-hmm. Most poor black boys will remain poor as adults. Mm-hmm. White yep. boys raised in poor families fare far better. Yeah. So this deals with being able to get out of poverty. This is what I hear, even in the manosphere, the most about we just need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Mm-hmm. We need to John Henry it, you know, stick your chest out, make it happen. Well, this is the reality. Mm-hmm. This is what this is the reality. Any thoughts about that, bro? No, it's pretty common. Uh, uh, well, it's it's racism, white supremacy, right? That's in in action, and plus the uh, affirmative action that you're supposed to get. Uh, for black males never came across actually with the white females so a white male that would actually marry a white female will actually get out of poverty mm-hmm. like i think you actually did a short on that uh, that a dollar 75 that goes to white people yes sir white families okay yeah. that's that's uh two uh, lower class people getting out of poverty yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely the dollar white men earn against the 75 cents that white women earn mm-hmm. uh, when they marry it's a dollar 75 we tend yeah. to stay apart yeah. Um, you know, and so yeah. employed black men make slightly more than black women. Yeah. But when you factor in incarceration, we're the only group of men that make significantly less than our women. Mm-hmm. Because most of these studies were never geared to take into account incarceration. Incarceration wow. is not supposed to impact economic studies. Hey, only people that earn an income actually get registered. But you have what twenty five twenty five percent of black men that don't earn an income because of uh, crime, because of poverty, because of uh, forming incarceration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hey, now, Uru keep dropping bombs from the comment section. I'm like, man, you don't have to come up here in a minute. As in a wealthy white family, most of the investment and training will be with the sons. In a wealthy mm-hmm. black family, most of the investment and training right. will be, with, be the with the daughters. Yep. The gynocracy. Yep. That's very true. I see it in my own family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they'll tell you that since boys don't have to wash dishes as often as they and they can come home later at later mm-hmm. times, they're more privileged. Yeah, yeah. Well, they the thing is, social freedom. Yeah, it's called neglect. They don't, you know, the, the mothers don't care. Mm. Damn. They care about the daughters. They care about the daughters being out at night. They care about the daughters getting into trouble. The boys, they don't care. It's called neglect. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting one share of the men incarcerated on april 1st 2010. Mm-hmm. the blue the blue dots are black males the mm-hmm. yellow dots are white males and it goes from there and i don't think it's an accident that you don't even have women on the screen the incarceration mm-hmm. rates for men and women are, are so varied as far as that it, it yeah. makes sense yeah yeah so the sons of black families from the top one percent had about the same chance of being incarcerated on a wow. given day as the sons of white families earning thirty six thousand dollars. God damn! Go ahead, Asan. Let it go. Nah, man. I don't. Did, did did y'all hear that at all? 
The sons of black families from the top 1% mm-hmm. had about the same chance of being incarcerated as the sons of white families earning $36,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Come on. This is the shit I need us to understand. This is the shit I'm talking about because I can't, I hear people say, well, why are you always focusing on the data? Why are you always talking about this? This just is about victimization. This is about reality. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about this because I love victimization. I'm talking about this because this shit is happening, A, and B, there are far too few spaces where this is being talked about bluntly. Yeah. Where the data is being shared unapologetically. So it doesn't so it doesn't matter about class as far as the uh as far as the justice system. No. Class doesn't change a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change a thing. If you can be in the top one percent mm-hmm. and still have as much chance as going of going to jail as poor white folk. Mm-hmm. Then, then really when we're talking about class privilege, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, race is a class. We keep forgetting that. I don't care how much you earn, race is a class. And we get the uh, John Henry folks talking about there's a level playing field. I don't see it. It doesn't look like it from that chart. Oh my god, this is. I wasn't actually planning to go over that. That just kind of happened, but <laughs> <laughs> it was timely, so I ain't mad about it. Right. A sign will chop. Percent of children married in 2015. So you can see uh, white men at the top, see black men and women at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, it's nothing new there. Uh, income gap exists for black and white boys if they had one parent in the house or two. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Right. So the solid color lines are two parents, the faded lines are one parent. Mm-hmm. And you notice a, a, a difference in both white and, and black uh, groups. Yeah. But well, the black group is the starting point is less. Mm-hmm. And and you, you can actually see by the chart that the uh, black boys actually fall further. They fall further. Yeah. And they rise higher at the end uh, with uh, with uh, fathers in the home. Mm, yeah. Interesting to note as well. Right. So this Raj Chetty study is incredibly important. You know, um, high mobility rate for Asian Americans is partly about immigration. Mm-hmm. Chetty himself, I think he's Indian. Yeah, yes. Raj. Yeah, yeah. What name like Raj? It better be. Hey, I'm, I'm guessing, but you know, sometimes I'm surprised. So, uh, but you know, again, I put the link in the chat for this. I think it'd be good for you guys to, you know, if you haven't looked at it, or even if you haven't seen it in a while, yeah, to, to revisit it. Right, all the lives of ten thousand boys who grew up in the U.S. You know, uh, this yeah. is a different one for the same kind of breakdown. I think. But I think that, well, the other one was showing us those who were rich and falling yeah. out of wealth or those that were poor and where they ended up. This is showing us across class at each mm-hmm. level what yeah. happens to 10,000 boys over yeah. the years from childhood to adulthood. Yeah. I can't stress how important this is enough. Yeah. So Roger says this is humbling. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about. This is why. I'm here I'm t- to talk about this because I think it's important that we keep what's actually happening to people. See, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about data just to use the word data. I'm fucking talking about what is actually
actually happening to people beyond our opinions mm -hmm. or anecdotal stories. I'm not going to tell you about what happened to my boy when we were 15. I'm going to show you what the data actually says. And when I get people, and this is generally, this tends to be feminist, when they say, well, you know, the data can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. I agree. It can be. But here's yeah. the thing. It's harder to manipulate data than it is to manipulate whatever the fuck comes out your mouth. Yeah, but they don't say that when the data actually uh, helps them. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the wage gap, which yeah. is false. Okay. Yeah. When the data works for them, the data is cool enough to use. When it's against mm -hmm. them, the data is manipulatable. <laughs> but the thing about it, too, is any data point you disagree with, you can find other studies. And when you look at enough studies, you can have a basic understanding of what is approximately happening with yeah. people. But when you just say, well... Uh, divorce, uh, divorce is high because you know all my friends got divorces. I mean, I mean that logic of what happens to my friends is evidence of what's going on with everybody, mm -hmm. all short, right? And I'm just saying when you actually look at the data, it kind of keeps us honest. It forces us to you know engage something beyond our own experience. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's important when we talk about this stuff that we move you know, past just personal anecdotes and stereotypes and opinions and actually look at what's happening right. on the ground. And that to me, if you're going to develop a strategy to respond to it, which I do want us to do, we have to first understand what the hell the problems are. And if we're so lost in fantasy that we can't get to the actual problems, then the problems, the, 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 ex the, the clarification on what those are and what our solutions are going to be, are going to all be rooted in cartoonish fantasy. Mm. You got to start with the reality. What's happening on the ground with people? Now develop a strategy in response. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just clarifying the problem. I'm looking at the data for what it is, and I'm trying to eliminate stereotypes, conjecture, and get to the real. I have some ideas. The one principal thing we talk about on this channel is the blackmail political agenda. That is often, that everything on that is in response to this data we're covering. Right. This is why I also invite people like BGS, to, you know, who has a standing invitation to the show. And I'm often grateful that he takes, he uses it, right? Because he has a strong understanding of the data and has decades of experience with it. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. why I invite the kind of brothers that are in the chat. I don't want just a bunch of people up here talking about bullshit. Yeah. I want intelligent brothers like the ones in the chat who have something to say about this. Yeah. And plus, uh, uh, Clark and, uh, um, Moynihan was was saying about saying this back in 1965 that that black boys escape poverty for one generation only. They tend to fall back. Oh shit! Yeah. They've been saying this for like 60 years. It's not, it's not new. It's, it's it's, not... The Clark Clark has been saying this since the 50s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but how black how vulnerable black males are were actually to this kind of a uh, economic stress. And it's and and I'm not I'm not you know, covering that information to make people feel bad or to stamp out hope is mm -hmm. simply to say, all right, if you know that this tends to happen, mm -hmm. then if, you know, if, if you know that, you know, the majority of black folks who attain wealth mm -hmm. tend to lose it in a generation, mm -hmm. then by God, if you attain wealth and you know that this happens, you have a better opportunity of not losing it if you're aware that it happens. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to make people feel bad. I'm not trying to say there's no hope. 
you know, I'm not trying to say there are no solutions to me in order to have a solution. You got to first understand what a problem is. Mm -hmm. There can be no solution if you don't even understand what the problem is. Yep. And I find that most of us don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. Because too much of the time we're talking about how we feel. We're talking about what we saw. We're talking about stereotypes. And many of us have been raised. The reason I'm doing this very episode is to challenge the stereotypes that most of us were raised with about us. Yeah. About us. Mm-hmm. Yep. But let me, let me, yeah, let me. Yeah. Well, well, we have the uh, advantage of being male, okay? This, oh. this is the black patriarchy in action, right? Yes. <laughs> God damn. You want to see, you want, you want to see what, what patriarchal privilege gives us? Okay. This is, this is a breakdown of school suspensions. Okay. Now, now the reason I bring this up is because I, I, I've had several debates over the years, right? Mm-hmm. Where I've had people disingenuously make the argument that black girls have it worse in school mm-hmm. and they get kicked out more than anybody. And I'm, and, and really when you delve into it, what you find is they get kicked out more than white girls. Right. Right. That's the issue. They get kicked out more than white girls. Mm-hmm. Um, what, it, what tends to happen, and this is data from the office of civil rights. Um, this is 2012, but the, it, what tends to happen is you have feminists that will kind of eliminate the boys because mm-hmm. they argue the boys get too much attention, black boys and black yeah. men. Uh, they yeah. get too much attention. We got to focus yeah. on girls. So the way, mm-hmm. the way they do that, and this especially goes to Kimberly Crenshaw and the African-American, her African-American policy forum, mm-hmm. they'll put data on the screen and say, girls get kicked out. They get suspended more than anybody. And really mm-hmm. what they're saying is they get suspended more than white girls. Right. We just won't mention black boys. But I want you guys to look at the data so you can actually make sense of it when you hear these kinds of dismissive statements that don't include black boys. The next time you hear something about uh, you know, K through 12 suspensions, expulsions, any of that. And you don't hear black boys being mentioned. Something's wrong. So, you know, black girls do get disciplined far more than white girls, black boys, almost double everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's data to show us that based on how the teachers behave, every kid can be acting acting out, but it's the boys that get singled out more than anybody. Even when they're not acting out, as a matter of fact, they're viewed to be older than they actually are, as young as four years old. Mm-hmm. They're treated like they are older, even when they're four. I remember I even had my, and I don't mind anecdotes from time to time, but notice I'm giving you an anecdote with the data on the screen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we shouldn't use anecdotes, but we should always contrast it with what's measurable. But I remember I had my son in daycare when he was real little, and apparently, and he was like, he was two. He got into a fight with a little girl that stole his toy. Right? And this was a black woman running this facility so out of her house. So I came to pick him up after school and she pulled me aside. She said, look, your son can't come here anymore. Wow. Okay. And I said, okay, well, what happened? What's, you know, well, you know, he hit this little girl. That's all she said. He hit mm-hmm. this little girl. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, what's going on? She said, well, he, you know, he was, they were playing with a toy. Mm-hmm. And he hit her. And okay. so it took me a while to get out of her. The little girl walked up and tried to take the toy he was playing with. Okay. And he hit her. Okay. And she said, 
but the girl, but she said, but this little girl, girl. she's only two years old. (laughs) And I looked her in the eyes and I said, so is he. (laughs) Now, my son has always been 99th percentile for height and weight, but he was still two years old. They were the same age. Yeah. But she didn't see a two-year-old little boy, you know, having a a fight with a two-year-old girl that took his Mm -hmm. toys. She saw a grown boy who beat up on an innocent little girl. Yeah, a baby. Her vantage. Yeah. yeah. Beat up on a baby. Yeah. Beat up on a baby girl and mm. kicked him out at two years old. Wow. In a daycare facility. Mm. Right? These are the kind of narratives we're working with. Yeah, Clutch and Stick said he was five in her mind. Right. <laughs> yeah, you might as well put a mask on him. And you know, like he just... You know, came out of a game. He might have had a beard. Had a beard, had a beard on. Yeah, <laughs> they both two. He's two as well. And she just completely. And the funny part is when I said it's not funny, really. When I said he is two as well, mm-hmm. her face didn't blink. It didn't change. She looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. Like, mm-hmm. what is anything you're saying relevant? Is anything you're saying even relevant? I mean, it, it, it wasn't even a question. She was basically saying none of what you're saying is relevant, right? Because she was in protection mode for this little girl who was accosted by the big bad boy. Yeah, yeah, big bad black boy. Right. Uh, with, a lethal, with a lethal weapon. With a lethal weapon. Right. His aunt. <laughs> and when you looked at it, wasn't none. She didn't even have a mark on her. There were two. It ain't like he could put, form a punch when put his hip into it. They, it was, you know, she didn't have a mark on it. As a matter of fact, they were playing when I walked in mm. with each other. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Uru said we should use this data to create an overall quality, uh, or yeah, I think he meant quality of life measurement, and allocate these measurements based on race and sex. Then yeah. use the results to push back against feminism and intersectionality. Then we have to go back to Moynihan, where it said the black black boys are actually the most victimized in, in this country. And which seems to be reinforced by Raj Chetty and Richard Reeves. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if you don't want to believe me, you don't want to believe Tommy Curry, you, mm-hmm. you don't want to believe any of the other black male study scholars, you got mm-hmm. white and other scholars that are well-renowned and regarded mm-hmm. who are saying the same exact things. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think, do do believe Chetty's study was like a 10-year study. Yeah. Yeah. He, it wasn't overnight. And he had, he drew, he drew, he, yeah, he drew from all kind of data from the, uh, from the uh, IRS, Social Security mm-hmm. system, everybody, you know. And at least cover white, black, and Asian mm-hmm. groups. Um, now, I like Uru's idea. I, I'm just laying out all of the different categories that can be explored. And again, mm-hmm. this is not placed in any order. Look, I'm putting it this way. The categories I'm covering tonight, I literally just cobbled together as they came into my head. Mm-hmm. So they're not in any particular order, but we're just going issue to issue and we're debunking stereotypes about black men. Mm-hmm. This one is dealing with or black men and boys. This one is dealing with uh, suspensions. Let's see what's next. I don't even know what's next. Shit. Let's see what's next. Okay. So this one. So this is a, this is actually a, a, a chart that I put together a few years ago. I'm going right. to give you the context for it. Right. The police homicide in black community by race and gender. I didn't do this uh, arbitrarily because I think a lot of this information is available. I did mm. this and I think it was 2020 when mm-hmm. I made this because it, it started to go, it started to get real popular on social media for some reason. And I don't know what sparked it at the time where mm-hmm. people were saying that trans men okay. were the most killed by police. Mm-hmm. 
And what they were doing is they were trying to offset the attention that straight black men get for police mm-hmm. homicide. Mm-hmm. And they were, of course, always frustrated with how, you know, they were always making the argument that black women are downplayed. And, and but this was the first time I'd heard them say, well, trans men are the most killed. Right. Police. So I said, all right, well, let me look this up. So I went and looked at uh, the uh, national epidemic, fatal anti-transgender violence in the U.S. in 2019. Mm-hmm. And what I found was 3%, 3% of the 20 to 26 annual transgender homicides across uh, race uh, per year mm-hmm. were police initiated. 3%. Mm, okay. So what, what 3% of 20 to 26 people is, is basically <laughs> for black, yeah. for black trans men, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, black trans women. Okay. What it generally tends to be well, actually, I'll just say black trans. Put it that way, because it's it, it's what it, the trope is that it's black trans men. These are right. biologically born females that mm. consider themselves men. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to get shot by police, but I'm really only talking about like one or two cases. Mm-hmm. They get shot by police because they're presumed to be men. Yeah, black trans women who were mm-hmm. born biologically male mm-hmm. aren't shot by police very much. So when you talk about 3% of 20 to 26, you're talking about one person every other year. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's about one person every other year. And then I looked at the Washington Post and I looked at the Guardian because they tracked information on those who were killed by police. And from 2015 to 2019, you see the numbers there. Now, these are con- these are conservative numbers. This is based on police reports being filed and properly added in. I argue that the numbers are actually much higher. But even if we go with the accepted data, it's about two to 300 black men per year killed by police. It's about eh, no more than about, what is it? It's, it's about nine to roughly, it's about nine to 13 black women per year. Right. Roughly. And then yeah. trans is one person every other year. <laughs> Shout out to Dusty Nuts. He okay. says, co-optation, we're dealing with an organized and vocal minority of folks. We have the funds and means to undermine. People need to wake up. Yeah. Well, they they want to keep the focus off of black men. Everybody wants to keep the focus off of black men because yeah. that's where the, that's where the need is. The thing is that uh, money flows where the, where the eyeballs are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the downplaying of black men. I'm not just saying that that white society or even black women just woke up and decided to hate black men because it's Tuesday or Wednesday. No. I'm saying they are following the money. See, they yes. know the more attention black males get. Right. The more people ask the question, why are we funding non-black male oriented issues if right. black males have the worst numbers? Right. So this is where you get a Pim- Kimberly Crenshaw, the person, the black feminist who originated the concept of intersectionality. Right. This is why you get her coming up to say, well, black girls are suspended the most mm-hmm. without qualifying it against boys. She's doing these kinds of tactics to make sure that resources focus on black yeah. girls primarily. Yeah, yeah. Lies, of, lies of omission. Instead of commission. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Lies of omission. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. BLM does the same thing. Lies of omission. Absolutely. So I just wanted to clarify the reason for this. I know you look at it and you just see number of black men and women killed by cops. Now that was twofold. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, um, well, no, and I should say it was several years earlier, but I knew feminists that would were they were subtly making these little digs at black men by saying things like, um, you know, uh, remember her name. Mm-hmm. Remember that yeah. campaign? Was it, yeah. was it remember her name? Hashtag. Yeah. 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 Say her name. Say her name. Thank you. Yeah. 
right? And and it was a subtle dig at black men, but at, you know, I, I was like, I'm trying, I can't articulate it, but something feels like somebody's kicking me in the nuts to say this, and I didn't know mm. why. <laughs> right? So they would start playing with rates. And thank you, you know, Sigma and start to say her name, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what I started to do, <laughs> I started to post these kind of numbers on social media. Ooh, okay, you got right? hate. And the feminists hated it, but they couldn't say anything because I included women, right? So okay. they said, say her name, and they wanted me to focus <laughs> on women's data. So I said, okay, you're right. We should definitely do that. So I put the data on the screen for men, for women, yeah. and yeah. they would just kind of subtly look at it and not yeah. say anything. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that Rakia Boyd, if I'm not mistaken? Did uh, say her name? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But that but and that's one way we can respond, fellas. When when you really start to hear this, put the data on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah, let's let's make sure we, we do keep the focus on black mm-hmm. women, men, women and men, boys and girls. <laughs> we have six black women versus two hundred and thirty black men. You see what I mean? <laughs> And you'll notice the conversation gets real quiet, real fast. And and so when you get up and see, again, we talk about flat blackness. If you get up and say too many black people die at the hands of the police, mm-hmm. you can say that when you, when you put something like this on the screen mm-hmm. and then you say too many black people, people die. Mm-hmm. Now you're really making more than one statement at the same time. You're, 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 you're clarifying that these numbers by rate are higher than other groups. But at the same time, if feminists want to toy with the numbers to eliminate black boys from receiving mm-hmm. any kind of support, yeah. this is the way to snap to, to slap back at them without having this, you know, to be direct. You just, they, just there's the numbers. Okay, we're gonna remember everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Brianna Taylor and Sandra Bland is where that. Oh, was Sandra Bland. Name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sandra um, Bland. That was the name. Yeah. Say her name. So I I decided to focus on on women, on trans and black men. And this was my way of saying, y'all are playing with shit mm-hmm. at the expense of black men and boys because you really want to secure resources. So if you're going to secure resources, which I think kind of happens more so than it does for straight black men, you're going to have to secure those resources with the data right on the screen. Mm. Now reach across that and go get your check, but you're going to damn well have to do it in the face yeah. of the data that I'm going to keep in people's face. Because for me, every time you ignore boys, black boys, I yeah. see my son. Yeah. That's how I do this. I see my son. So you want to take resources that he's never even got out and away from him, then mm-hmm. you don't have to do it with this data being made available to everybody. Right. right. Exactly. Right. So let's see what's next. Okay. So this one, this one is real simple. This is a breakdown of black faculty in colleges. Okay. <laughs> and the reason this is important is when, when we talk about, and I said this in my last show, I talked about how black feminism is reproduced mm-hmm. because what we see in the academy is an overwhelming number of girls and women mm-hmm. that are going to into higher education. And, you know, I talked about this in terms of Grambling University. I talked about this in terms of Howard but we could talk about predominantly white institutions as well. When it comes to black folk going to school, we know that since 1976, black men have half the degrees black women have. It is what it is. Black men have found other ways to make money. But here's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they found other ways to make money. It's that we were pushed out of academics in K through 12. Mm-hmm. And we were forced to find other ways to make money. 
it's not an accident that you have over 90% female teachers at some grade levels. Right. So this has a correlation to how students perform that nobody wants to talk about. And boys across race end up performing, le- you know, performing more poorly than girls. And in that, black boys at the bottom of that list. So I don't have a problem. If black men didn't want to go to college, that would be fine. But that's not what's happening. Black men are being pushed out. Black boys are being pushed out before they even get started. They tried to put my son in special ed in kindergarten. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> kindergarten. Yeah. Mine too. And this boy was reading 700 page Harry Potter books in the first and second grade. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to put him in special ed. And they would have succeeded mm-hmm. if I wasn't at the campus as often as I am because I had more time than the average working black family, black right. parents. I had time whenever they, you know, fucked with him. I got time today. I'll show up. (laughs) But I noticed how many other black kids didn't have the luxury of parents that could drop what they were doing and show up on the spot. Yeah. So had I not had that kind of structure, he might've been routed into special ed. They didn't have a problem with doing it, but I bring this chart up because it shows you the number of black faculty, right? So this is 2011, but this was the only, the study that I know. Mm-hmm. That showed the percentage of black faculty in higher education. So you'll notice this is black women. At least, well, this is Asian, uh, black, Hispanic, and white, but we're in a lot, an American Indian, Alaska Native, but we're going to look at black women. There's okay. about 70,375 faculty, or that's yeah. uh, that, that's the number, and that's you know the total number. So 70,375 black female faculty on college campuses. Okay. So remember that number, 70,375. Mm-hmm. This is black men. 47,651. Wow. Okay. Right. Right. So, so when we talk about 70,000 versus 47,000, the way this plays out, you got, you know, what is it? Howard has 70% of its population, black female. Yeah. When, when you, when you have a preponderance of black girls and women going into higher education and then a preponderance of those women who are primarily the faculty there, Yes, there was, at least in terms of 2011, there was a higher percentage of black males who were tenured. Right. Right. Slightly higher. So you got you got 7,776 black males who are tenured, fully tenured like myself. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, well, I'm not, I'm uh, associate. But anyway, uh, then you have 6,681 black females. A lot of that, I think, has to do with child rearing. Yeah. Whatnot. But. At the end of the day, and this is what feminists will focus on. There are more men that are tenured. That's what they'll tell you. But they right. won't tell you that there are over 20,000 more black black uh, professors, black female professors than male. And when you factor that in with the percentage of black women and girls who are going to college as opposed to their men. Right. Now you have a preponderance of black women in, an, in, in, a, in, a, in, in a higher educational space. Yeah. That supposedly translates to white collar employment and mm-hmm. even into politics, mm-hmm. right? How many politicians you know don't at least have a college degree? Mm-hmm. And this is the jumping off point for being able to move in the white collar world. This is happening primarily amongst women and girls mm-hmm. in a way that's not happening for boys and men. And this is something we need to focus on. So I wanted you guys to know, you know, according to the the only study I'm aware of on the actual numbers of black faculty and staff, black men are about 23 odd thousand fewer in higher education. I want you guys to have that information, right? 
you know. Um, anyway, so they, they just to kind of put that out there, that speaks to why we see feminism so rapidly and rampantly spreading in higher education. Because it's not just that it's primarily girls that are going, it's also that those who are teaching them, especially if they're black, mm-hmm. are overwhelmingly women. And when you start when you start to factor in their ideology, feminism translates much easier among that population. And you can see why you'll have black male faculty that will acquiesce to the dominant feminist ideology because they are outnumbered. Outnumbered, yeah. If you try to get hired in a university, guess who's sitting on the hiring committee? Look yeah. at the numbers. Yeah. You, you if you if you if you're trying to get a job, especially if you're in Africana studies, black studies, mm-hmm. often the majority of the people on the hiring committee are going to be those who are in the highest percentages. Yeah. They're going to be women. You would think they would because they know the plight of black men, they would be more uh uh patient and more uh giving to black no. men, but no. it's not the case. No, they this has become a political coup mm-hmm. for black women. And what they're doing is they're tying together the different spaces where they can exact that particular, uh, that coup. So so higher education, we're starting to see a higher preponderance of black women in politics going in and in, in going for office. Whatever space you see that is predominantly female, they are operationalizing and politicizing to advance themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are not opening the door for black people. They are opening the door for themselves. For black women. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, they consider black people, black women and children. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Black males are on their own. Black males are on their own. Yeah. Even when, and the thing that trips me out about this is a lot of these women don't have sons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until he's 18, then becomes a black male. Oh man, I can tell you, I I can give you the names of feminists who will, in their own cities, set up black girl magic organizations for young women and girls, and they don't even have daughters, Mm. but will have two sons, both of whom are homeless, Mm. strung out on drugs, dropped out of school, but she's setting up black girl rocks organizations for Mm. girls she doesn't even have in her household. Oh, she needs to find a wife, a working wife for her sons. <laughs> and then, if you look at it, entrepreneur in terms of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. one of the things you'll tend to find is black women will set up businesses that primarily cater to each other. Yes, they will literally set up businesses where their primary customer is other black women. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know over ninety nine percent of black women's businesses have one employee, so their so their focus is only on each other. Black men actually have more businesses, even though they're not credited for it. But we don't tend to get federal or philanthropic support. No, yeah, black men tend to have uh, have trades. Okay, and we don't list our trade or our hustle or our independent uh, uh, self employment work as as a business. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I do plumbing. I do drywall. I do. I, mm-hmm. I fix some houses. It's mm-hmm. not a business. It's more like a hustle. But yeah. it's, women listed as a business. Women listed as a business, absolutely. But even even when it is a business, uh, you know, or we acknowledge it as such, you don't often hear these black men say this is a black-owned business, no, or this is a black male-owned business. Yeah. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. My assumption is that we don't get any props for it being black male-owned. If it's black female-owned, it's celebrated. Yeah. Celebrated, yeah. A black male-owned, it's almost like a kiss of death. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which provides no incentive for black men to want to go out there and scream to the heavens that we have a black owned business. Oh, no. You know, if anything, you, 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 a lot of brothers just put their head down, keep pushing, do the work. Yep. You know, and you'll notice that when, when you look at like the, the title of their business, if it's something completely void, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it'd just be something that sounds real generic. Then brothers know what they're doing. Yeah. Because there's yep. no benefit that they get for pointing it out. They don't get a benefit for that. Yeah. Kiss of death. Blackmail yeah. business, yeah. Okay. So let me push past here and see what else we got. So we got the mail rape information sheet. Now this is this is older. I made this a number of years ago because I wanted to consolidate all the data I was running across on black men and rape and put it in one document. And, you know, I can, I can, you know, I can send you guys this. Uh, I need to remember to put this in the, the description box so you guys can remind me if I don't. because I don't think I have it set up right now to do it. But here's a couple of things. So, you know, just to kind of let you know. Um, so from 1930 to 2000, well, first and foremost, you can see the first bullet. 2.78 million men in the U.S. have been victims of sexual assault or rape. And that was known in 1998. Yeah. So nobody talks about that. From 1930. To 2012, the FBI defined forcible grape, I guess you got to say that on YouTube, Mm -hmm. for data collecting purposes as the carnal knowledge of a female forcibly Mm -hmm. and against her will. So understand Mm -hmm. the importance of that. The very definition of Mm R-A-P-E is that it is the the carnal knowledge of a female. Yeah. So what kind of information are you going to get on males when the very definition of the act is tied to female bodies. Mm, yeah. They ignored generations worth of data about men because it didn't fit the definition. Right? Then it says eventually localities began to rebel against that limited gender-bound definition. And in 2010, Chicago reported 86,776 cases of rape, but mm. used its own broader definition. So the FBI left out. Oh wow. Okay. okay. Finally, in 2012, the FBI revised its definition and focused on penetration mm-hmm. with no mention of female or forced. Yeah. Right. And so if you go through these various bullet points, you'll see various data points. I'm not going to go through all of them right now. But the one thing I want to put up to you is America incarcerates its citizens more than any other country in the world. Right. And that said, when you put like, because I think at the time I did this, there were about 200,000, I think it was about 220,000 women incarcerated and over 2.2 million men. Right. So when you add in prison, Mm -hmm. right, when you, and there was a new category called made to penetrate that was created uh, in the last, you know, decade or so, because it had to, you know, account for, you know, what was really happening versus what people wanted to define, you know, you know, rape as. And I say in the last bullet point, when you add up made to penetrate cases, rape by the new FBI definition and mm-hmm. prison sexual assault slash rape statistics, men, statistically black men especially, experience rape at much higher rates than women annually. Now, part of the reason you'll never hear that, or at least you haven't heard that anywhere else, is because nobody wants to add in prison numbers. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, Nobody wants to take resources away from women. Women have cornered, feminists in particular, have mm-hmm. cornered the market on data around sexual assault and RAPE. Yeah. This is the underlying reason why nobody wants to talk about males. 
because if you really start to put the numbers out on males, yeah, somebody will have to ask at some point, why is all of this money and all these resources only going to females? Exactly. All, all those uh, nonprofit organizations that depend on that kind of money. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So again, when you add up the different categories and most importantly, when you add in prison data, mm-hmm. it changes the, the discussion in ways that even academics and scholars don't want to deal with. Mm. Now, there's a line here. If you go up uh, to, let me see, this is about four bullet points from the bottom. It says the CDC finding um, that women rate uh, great men as often as men grape women. Now, this mm. is actually a quote. And I, had, I got into an argument with, um, I don't know, I think he's a sociologist. I don't remember what his particular occupation is. He really went off on me. And this is why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let me go ahead and show you this. That quote is actually pulled from a time.com article. Mm-hmm. Okay. The article's title, CDC's Great Numbers Are Misleading. Mm. Right? And when you go to the actual quote, right? It says, and now the real surprise. When asked about experiences in the last 12 months, men reported being made to penetrate either by physical force or due to intoxication at virtually the same rates as women reported great. Both Mm -hmm. 1.1% in 2010 and 1.7% and 1.6% respectively in 2011. In other words, if being made to penetrate someone was counted as great, Mm -hmm. and why shouldn't it be, then the headlines could have focused on a truly sensational CDC finding that women grape men as often as men grape women. Mm. So the scholar I was debating with said, well, you cited it as a CDC finding, but that's just what they said in the, in the magazine, in the, in the time.com article. That's not the CDC statement, mm-hmm. but you'll notice the reason I read the sentence prior is it shows you the numbers at the end of the sentence. And that's right. why the journalist yeah. made the statement. So he's yeah. right. I should have listed um, the, and I actually did cite the article when I made that bullet point statement. Mm-hmm. But he's picking on a, a small little issue to deflect from the reality right. yeah. that men do actually experience this in much higher numbers than we were told. So yeah. in case you couldn't see the screen, you know, this is the sentence here I'm focusing on. I will put the link for this in the chat. Those of you who are interested in looking at this article, this is the only article I found from time of its kind. Mm-hmm. And since this article, which was written in 2014 i haven't seen anything like it since no you would probably won't (laughs) they ran from this once this article was posted they ran from this like the plague yeah they did yeah because they weren't just focusing on men in prisons they were actually when you talk about made to penetrate Mm -hmm. they were also showing the ways women engage in it it was just and and i even saw stats that scholars feminists would put up to say 99 percent of grapes uh, occur from men to women but that's one of the reasons they created the made to penetrate category because they were discarding so many different uh accounts that didn't have a classification formally but when they finally started to include them they found that the numbers were almost equal this means that from 1930 onward men's experiences were eliminated Mm-hmm. from the discussion. So think about that. If there are almost equal rates, and, and keep in mind, men have not been socialized to report this the way women have. Yeah. 
They get laughed at. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if the numbers are almost equal and men haven't even been socialized to report, yeah, what would happen if we could actually go back from 1930 onward and present the real data? Yeah, women would actually be looked at differently. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, let me see. Let me see. Where did it go? Eh, hold on. Okay. Let me pull this out. Shout out to uh, LAPD SWAT 1. Says, why are blacks bad at setting boundaries, i.e. from the European arrival at liberals uh, or to liberals' current policies, if corrected, um, the focus on black men? Because black men have always been the the, uh, the designated underclass and designated boogeyman for the last 300 years. So it oh. goes against policy and culture. There it is. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, and I want to point out one other quick one right here. If you go up to the the third bullet point from the bottom, as criminologists Richard Felson and Patrick Cundiff report in a fascinating recent analysis, a 15-year-old male is considerably more likely to be likely to be sexually assaulted than a woman over 40. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to put that out. So that's that's important to know and important to understand. And it goes along with what I just showed as far as the CDC numbers, right? But again, we're debunking stereotypes. And when you factor in the percentage of black men that are incarcerated, um, you know, based on the numbers, you find that black men are actually the most vulnerable, even in regard to sexual assault in prisons. Mm. Shout out to ghetto users. Scholars really preaching tonight. Appreciate that. Um, Let's see what's next. Oh, okay. There we go. That's the end of it. That's the end of it. So that's everything that we've, and, and mind you, that's just a couple of, that took me about 20 minutes. That's just one clip, huh? <laughs> that's that's 20 minutes. I didn't even delve into papers that I had written that go into more detail on different things. Yeah. That was just 20 minutes of, let me pull together some charts and let's go through, you know, some of the stereotypes about men, about black yeah. men in particular. Yeah, like uh, Austin Holloman said, it's that bad. Okay. Yeah. It's that yeah. bad. It absolutely is. You know, so again, um, you know, I know some people walk away and all they see is victimization. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, look, this is the reality mm-hmm. of black male life. Yeah. And we have to be able to understand the reality to craft a response to it, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that our response to it is realistic, but also to just basically understand what's going on. Because when you talk about something like passport bros, mm-hmm. When we when we generically say that you have black men that are leaving this country for a reason, right? It's not just women's behavior. No, no, it's not. And, I, and I'm not downplaying how important that is, but I'm saying it's much more going on than just that. Yeah, yeah. yeah Randall Robinson said all black men should leave America. Damn, <laughs> he's, Damn. it's that bad. You know? Yeah, he's one of the original passport bros. Mm-hmm. And, and and as an as a prominent activist, uh, for him to say that when he made that shift, that was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you met him. You, you probably I, I, I never met him. No. Okay. Okay. Well, that was that that was all I wanted to cover tonight because I really just wanted to to put some info in you guys' hand. One of the things I notice is I get people saying to me, "Well, you know, you don't say this enough, you don't say that enough," and I'm saying, I've. <sighs> I've done with 500 shows. I'm nowhere near BGS. I mean, shit. <laughs> BGS, 
How many do you have? Oh, last count. Oh, the last count on all my channels. I think the last count was uh, 7,000, maybe. Ooh, shit. Maybe. 7,000? Yeah. Uh, uh, shows and videos. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Probably. I think I have, Jesus, I probably have what? I think I have like 1,500 live streams alone. So. Oh, God. See, I, I, I have probably about, I'm, I think I'm somewhere around 500. Yeah. And and I keep saying, I have said this, I have said that. Well, I haven't heard you say it. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I wanted to just pull together a show where I can say, look, I'm going to put a good amount of data on some stereotype breaking information mm -hmm. and just throw that at y'all so you have reference points for it. So you have points you can argue, but also points you can reflect on in terms of how some of these issues may affect your own life. Yeah. Yeah, and you you see, uh, uh, especially black uh, female scholars actually hide this data. They, there. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the reasons that you know when I came out of graduate school, I was so furious mm -hmm. with some of the people I had learned from, and definitely some of the ideologies I had learned because when I started to run into just the raw data, mm -hmm. I realized just how much I was lied to, mm -hmm. and I said, "Well, if I've been lied to." I wonder how many other people have been lied to. Right. I mean, yeah, if the learned of you don't know it, then it's not passed down to the, uh, what say, the unwashed masses. The unwashed masses. Mm -hmm. Which is why they don't like this space, because we do dig this kind of stuff out yeah. and uh, and present it to the masses. Yeah. This is this this is something we should have known. This Especially if you've gone to college, you should know this. Mm -hmm. But nine times out of ten, you can speak to a feminist who has a doctorate and ask them some of these questions and watch how little they even know about mm -hmm. them in terms of what we what we're talking about here. So yeah, they, um, they were never they were never told. They were never told, and, and they didn't look. Yeah. Now I I personally want to thank you. Y'all got to know BGS was willing to jump on probably in the last twenty minutes of the show he was already doing. Mm -hmm. And he does that a lot in this space. And I want to thank you for it. You don't have to do it, but I appreciate that you do. Um, you know, so I want you people to know uh, when this brother pops up on folks stream, you know, he's, he's yeah. been grinding all day and he's, yeah. he's been willing to do this. Yeah. So thank you, brother. Yeah. 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 The thing is, is, you know, if you don't, uh, you know, I try to share and I try to jump on people's streams because I, you're trying to build an ecosystem that should help black, black men. Mm-hmm. You have to participate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the only way you can actually make this thing live. That's why it's so successful because we actually participate you know, in each other's streams. Yeah. It's not a one man, uh, it's not really a one man army. Can't be. Uh, let me see. You know, Giogami, um, I probably mispronounced that. Said if made to pen was used, would it not affect forced paternity and CS and possibly boys? You know, mo, lest, so on and so forth. Um, I am clearly old because I got to take a minute just to process. <laughs> that happens to me on Twitter a lot too. Oh yeah, I don't understand what that means. People had to pull me all oh, doc. He was just saying this. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your son probably can. You know, oh come on, dad. Everybody <laughs> get like, like five seconds. <laughs> like wait a minute. What? Right. Hold on. Let me get a pen. Let me write this out. Translation, you know. huh? Yeah, you know, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, if this data was was really made 
not only made available, but people actually used it actively, whether we're talking lawsuits, whether we're talking activism, I do think it would change the dynamic on forced paternity. I do think yeah. it would change the dynamic on child support, you know, um, and on in terms of sexual assault and the other categories. Absolutely. But again, it's one thing to produce the data. It's another thing to have a movement that operationalizes the data. Right. You know, so all the things we're seeing now with feminists, when I was in college, when I was in high school, these concepts were coming out. Intersectionality, you know, the black feminism, these concepts were coming out then. Fast forward 30 years, they've translated into policy. And people get mad at me because they want me to make policy happen right now. I'm saying, well, if it took 30, 40, 50, 60 years for feminists to to do it, I don't know how you expect I'm going to do it single handedly. Right. But what I am going to do is gather the data and help create the concepts. And it falls to us to op- operationalize those concepts, to operationalize that data yeah. and use it to create what you want to see happen in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's how that has to go. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's changing people's worldview with facts. Yeah. You know, you know, kind uh, of get it, get you out of that blue pill conditioning, you know, Absolutely. you know, like uh like Morpheus says, okay, everything you've been told was a lie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, man, I appreciate you coming up. Any closing thoughts you want to give about all of this stuff, man? I mean, you know, that, that's why we have you here, man, because uh, only a scholar like you has access to this kind of data and this kind of research. And the thing is, is that uh, most of this stuff is hidden or opaque to most people, to most black men. But in this platform, it actually, actually reach more guys and actually make more guys aware. So mm-hmm. that when when they when when they actually come at them like that, uh, they have a response to it, mm-hmm. and it changes how they view themselves and also how they view women. Absolutely, you know, because most guys think I can actually John Henry myself through this, okay? Because the playing field is is level and fair, and it's not. I kept trying to tell them the playing field is actually tilted, mm-hmm. and not towards you. Yeah, it's always been a fixed game. It's a fixed game. You know, there was just a point where we saw our women be able to play the game differently. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, when they're stepping on us as a step stool, it does help. And the offer is made from white society to allow them to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do put the onus mm-hmm. on the structure, on the system of white society, of white supremacy. I do put the onus yeah. there. Yeah. But the other factor to it is, one, there was a choice made. Mm-hmm. you know, by women to engage it. And then the other thing is when these options are made available, I don't care if you're talking about welfare from the fifties onward or whatever issues we're talking about, mm-hmm. this ends up having a generational effect and BGS. And, and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's the entitlement mm-hmm. um, that comes about from having an option that your men don't. It right. builds over generations, a mm-hmm. worldview about black male inferiority. So mm-hmm. part of the reason I talk about this stuff is not just because women have an advantage that right. does extend out of white society, but because that advantage over time, over mm-hmm. multiple generations, becomes a superiority complex. Yeah, yeah, because a, a lot of black men's uh, survival depend on women, yeah. and they know it. Yeah, and they, they know it, and they and they use it. Think about the video I I played of the, the man that was driving the car whose face was bleeding. Right. Yeah, what did she say? I I pay the security. I pay the I exactly. pay the, uh, the rent on that on your apartment. Yeah, exactly. Guess what he can't do? He he has to. Uh, he's got to uh, 
accept her abuse because it's got no place to go. Or slowly strategize a leave. But yeah, again, yeah. we're we're tempted to dismiss his inability to operate the way she does by simply saying he's not working hard enough. But again, if you go back to that Raj Chetty study, you can see this is much bigger than individual drive. And I'm not right. dismissing individual drive. You can do quite a bit with it. I don't yeah. dismiss it. I don't underestimate it. But you also have to understand the the the, the, the forces operating against you, the yeah. environment you're in. You know, uh, you, it, not everybody could just pull themselves out of it. As a, as a matter of fact, most people that have, including myself, there's a damn good share of that with, that was just blind. Blind luck. luck. Yeah. 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 You made it across the minefield instead of being blown up. But I didn't do so because I had some great knowledge about where the landmines were. It was mm -hmm. fucking lucky. Lucky. Yeah. Every time I applied for, especially the first time I applied for college in high school, there was no guarantee that I was going to get accepted. And I didn't go to Harvard or Yale. I went to a, I went to more elite schools as my graduate studies you know came in went to Temple and then I went to Claremont but mm -hmm. prior to that I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills mm -hmm. in L A which at the time had about a thirty eight percent black student population mm -hmm. which really between the fact that they had apartments and they had a lot of fine ass black women those are the only two reasons I went. <laughs> I wanted to go to Atlanta to go to Freaknik, but I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't have high motivations to do this shit, man. I went to college because I knew that, you know, there was nothing that I was going to be able to do at 17 years old that would get me out of my mother's house. Okay. There's no job I was going to get at Taco Bell or Kenny Shoes that was going to be able to afford me my own place. <laughs> And the other reason is my mother made it in my family, and I've carried this tradition on, so I shout my mother out on this. My mother okay. said that it was a requirement. Going to college for her was like going from 10th to 11th grade. Okay. It was not negotiable. Okay. Everybody went to college. You didn't get to make your own decisions as an adult until you finished your bachelor's. That was my mother's outlook. So me, and she'd been telling us, my sister and I, that since we were little kids. So going to college was an expectation but that didn't mean I was ready for it. I did. Yeah. I got good grades. Uh, school came easy. I didn't really try that hard. And I mainly went to Dominguez because they had apartments and fine ass women. And at the end of the day, <laughs> every weekend, somebody was throwing a party in one of them apartments and there wasn't no oversight in that bad boy. We just... <laughs> and I went to visit the camp and brothers were telling me, yeah, look out your window at five in the morning, everybody doing a walk of shame. <laughs> that was why that was why i went you know you know was, was, hey man, i ain't seen that many black i mean i was 38 percent. what black camp what campus do you know of in, in california that had damn near 40 percent of its campus black uh that, that that is the only one that's the only one i had ever heard of Des yeah they're designated that's the designated uh black campus oh yeah mm-hmm you know, and then and then Long Beach was right down the street, Cal State mm -hmm. Long Beach, huge mm -hmm. campus. And at mm -hmm. the time they had a black comedic black Egyptian fraternity. There was a yeah. fraternity and a sorority all at once. Yep. And yep. we had the finest women you'd have ever seen in your life. God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> so I that was my motivation for going to school. And the only reason I went to graduate school, because my plan after, you know, when I got to my senior year, I was just gonna go get a job at UPS. Okay. 
I didn't have a plan. I wasn't thinking about graduate school. Truth be told, I really couldn't tell you much about what a master's degree actually was because I had no plans to do one. Okay. I had a black male mentor and teacher for the first time in my life that saw potential in me and sent me to graduate school. That was how that went. So I'm not coming at this saying, you know, I did all of this and I knew what I was doing. I walked through that land, that landmine, that landfill mm-hmm. you were talking about. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was blind luck. Mm-hmm. I didn't okay. have money. I didn't come from money. I didn't come from a lot of different contacts where people mm-hmm. knew my family and hooked mm-hmm. us up. I didn't come from none of that. Yeah. yeah. My mother never made more than $30,000 in her life. Yeah. Yeah. My sister and I are both professors. All of that came about from pure fucking luck. Yeah, yeah. And my sister got more support than I did, but mainly from teachers at the same schools I went to. Mm -hmm. Teachers that wouldn't be caught dead sitting in the same room with me alone because they think Mm -hmm. I was going to rob them, would give her computers, would help her, you know, get in. They had contacts at the college, at the universities, you know, high high level universities. They had Mm -hmm. friends. And they they gave her information. No, those folks wouldn't even man. They, they treated her like a white person, huh? Well, yeah, she was honorary in the sense that she was smart and they liked her. But you know, for me, they looked at me like I was gonna, you know, like I was gonna do something with them or to mm-hmm. them. Same teachers, same school. They didn't give me any support. I didn't expect any. I didn't know to ask for any. I just, you know, you know. So it yeah. it, took, it took a while before I found my own motivations. Yeah, that's why there's so few of you is because you guys are actually survivors. But I, I remember when I came into the space, like brothers were talking about, you know, you cast got a silver spoon. I was like, silver spoon? <laughs> we were on Section 8. I mean, you know, there were just, you know, there were just pockets of, of black men that were able to get through the minefield. But it wasn't mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. anybody was better or had a plan. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Great I-9. He says, dual economy of opportunities. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just we just kind of made it through, but I I went to the same schools where brothers were being put in special ed. I mm-hmm. truthfully don't know how they didn't put me in it. Mm. I mean, I had good grades. I wasn't an exceptional athlete, but I played various sports. But you know, I just kind of slipped through the cracks. You remember when you watched Spook Sat by the door, right? And they were the FBI were the agents were talking about which of the black uh, 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 guys w- might make it to become an right. FBI agent, and they say, "Well, yeah. Freeman just always kind of we always forget about Freeman." Well, forget about Freeman, yeah. He scores high on athletics and on you know his tests. That was yeah, me. But, yeah, but he wasn't noticeable. He wasn't noticeable. Yes, mm-hmm. and that wasn't I wasn't like that because I planned it like Freeman did. I was just mm-hmm. like that. I was introverted. I still mm-hmm. am. I'm a nerd. Mm-hmm. I'm not the most gregarious in the room. Mm-hmm. I had game though, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> we ain't got to talk about all that. You know, but I mean, that was it. I just slipped through the cracks and a lot uh-huh. of us, and I won't say a lot of us, a number of us did, but that was no guarantee in and of itself. I know brothers that got doctorates that are w- working at car washes mm-hmm. yeah, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. False yep. accusations being one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, rogues is badass cobras. It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah. <laughs> But no, man, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm, all I'm saying is, you know, at the end of the day, this information needs to be out because, uh, you know, too many of us are just riding by the seat of our pants. We're, we're, yeah. we're running through minefields and, and even yeah, those yeah. of us that get through aren't necessarily tied into any greater networks. Mm-hmm. We just got through as an individual. 
Yeah, I, I remember FD Signifier was on with uh, with uh, Mr. Z. The first thing out of his mouth is that uh, he was saying that black women are actually dangerous to black women. Mm. The biggest danger to black women are black men. That's what he said. Yeah. That's why he has stats like this that prove it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I want to put those stats up. Mm-hmm. That's what you bring up to people. I don't care if you're sitting in a class or you're having a debate or an argument. Mm-hmm. You know, if you decide that you want to publicly debate these issues and that's your choice, the data is available, but you got to go get it. And it's going to be uh, sequestered off because this is the kind of data that does not secure people the resources they want right. Right. in the political market. Yeah. Right. Yep. So when you and 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 yeah, Spain man, he says, "Damn, he did say that, didn't he?" Yeah, he did. That's mm-hmm. why I want you to see that we're talking about a couple hundred people a year when people yeah. make statements like that. Yeah. Be precise and show them, and and challenge them to articulate where they're getting their sources from. Yeah, the flu is more dangerous to black women than than uh, black men. Yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you read the man not, you find out when you look at that same data set going back to the 1980s, there were years where black men were killed by their partners in greater numbers than women. Yep. You know what I mean? So there's a lot out there that needs to be revealed. It needs to be found. And truth be told, there's only a small handful of people willing to go look for it. I'm not up here saying I know it all. In fact, I'm asking y'all what you guys routinely do to share what information you run across. Yeah, Brothers, yeah. give me stories all day, and you get this too. Mm-hmm. I'll send you stories, articles, videos all day. And that's what we need. Yeah, it's crowdsourcing. Yeah. yeah. Many eyes. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, man, shout out to Officer Faulkner in the building. I see you, man. Um, but I, I mean, I appreciate you coming up. I just wanted to get this out. I hope the brothers will benefit from it. Again, we got to start with a clarity and we got to operationalize this data, Yeah, you know, to understand how we can use it and how we can advance and improve the quality of life for black boys and men. Yeah. We first have to understand what that quality of life actually is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. You got you to start telling the truth about black men and black boys. Hey. Real. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Great Eye Nine. Says more black women die falling downstairs. <laughs> own furniture than uh, <laughs> uh, more black women <laughs> heel on the side of the sidewalk. Baby. That would be some cold shit if it was true, though. You know, it might might be. <laughs> slip, slip that would fall. be a cold stack right there. Boy. More black women die from breaking their heel on the street corner than. <laughs> Oh man, they would shut it down, man. <laughs> that shit would be hilarious. But it, that's what I felt when he said, you know, more black men, black, you know, you have a greater chance of dying in a flood mm-hmm. or being struck by lightning. I had never thought of it that way. And then I looked up the data on both and I was like, he was right. <laughs> I thought he was just making a flipping statement. He said it because he had looked at it, he studied it. I was like, he is absolutely right. So, anyway. But have a good night, brother. I appreciate you. All right, Doc. All right, Doc. All right, man. Peace. Peace out. All right, folks. Thank you. Uh, Share whatever information or reflections or thoughts you have in the comment section. I appreciate the support. Uh, Thank you to everybody that's contributed. Please make sure you like, share, subscribe, join, or donate. Share the video. Support the channel so we can continue to bring you this data, bring you these concepts, these ideas, 
And I'm imploring you to share your thoughts and reflections on what we can do with this so we can build it together, right? Hope y'all have a good night. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. Thank you.